Welcome to Warriors Offcourt, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Wes Goldberg, host of the popular Locked On Warriors podcast. During our conversation, we did a mock draft for the lottery, picking the first 14 picks as if we were NBA general managers. Wes, thank you so much for joining me back on the podcast. I feel like I've been leaning on you super heavily, but you know, you're the most consistent, reliable co-host I've had on here probably. So I really, I really appreciate it. Um, the election is, is still unfolding. Obviously, I think some people hoped that that would be decided last night, but here we are Wednesday morning and it's still very much being decided. You are actually in Florida, which is, uh, which was somewhat of a swing state this year, ended up going red, ended up going for Trump. But, uh, what was it like for you just being, you know, in a state that is so hotly contested like that? Yeah, it's it's kind of a culture shock after being in California. It feels like everybody's kind of on the same team, you know, in the San Francisco Bay Area, where in Florida, I mean, you really get a sense of the polarization that is uh, kind of striking this country right now. Um, I mean, I, w- I was up in the Tampa Bay, St. Pete area, which is one of the swing counties in Florida uh, a few weeks ago, um, and it was it was pretty jarring just to see how many, you know, Trump uh, Pence signs there were up, how many people were just refusing to wear masks. You go to a Publix, you know, here in like, you know, Miami and Broward County and, you know, you've got arrows directing you where you're able to walk and everybody's wearing masks and you've got people in the front of the store, like wiping down the carts and doing all this stuff and taking like the necessary precautions against this virus. And then you go up there and like kind of Trump country and everybody's like, this thing's a hoax note, like, you know, politically just standing up, like you go into a public shopping center and you've got a bunch of Trump signs hanging off of like Ford F one fifties. And you go walk into, you walk into the store and you're counting, like, you know, it's, it's pretty much split 50, 50 people with masks and without. So, I mean, it it is, it's pretty wild just to see kind of go from County to County and see the differences uh, of, of the people who were casting votes in this election. Yeah. I bet. And uh, I'll be honest, man. Uh, and I'm sure that a lot of people in the Bay Area felt this way, too. But I was just pleasantly surprised to see that it was even up for debate in Florida. I mean, I think I have this this mindset of just Florida being very red. And I know that Florida has been a swing state in the past, but I thought they'd be all in on Trump. Uh, and I think that's probably an, uh, maybe an unfair just assumption that I've, that I've drawn just uh, from a lot of the stuff that comes out in the news from Florida. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, it was interesting to me that it was a swing state. Um, I, uh, we we're getting closer here to the NBA draft. It's November 4th. As we're talking right now, the draft is November 18th. So we're looking at, uh, we're looking at about two weeks uh, till the draft. And um, it's, it's been so long at this point that I feel like we've analyzed it from every possible angle. But what we haven't done on this podcast is we have not done an actual mock draft. Um, So I thought given all the Intel we have, given the fact that I think both of us have a pretty good idea of what the Warriors are thinking at this point, um, it it was, it's worth going through and, and doing the lottery. So doing the first 14 picks of the draft, um, and what we'll do is we'll take turns. So I think you, we talked before the podcast, you're going to 
you're going to start with Minnesota at number one, which will kind of set the tone for the rest of the draft. And then I'll go Golden State at number two, and then we'll switch off from there. Um, so uh, are there any are there any thoughts you think you need to get out there before we jump into this about this draft or about new intel you're getting? No, not really. I think, you know, based on a lot of stuff that we're hearing now, um, after these in-person interviews, it feels like James Wiseman and Anthony Edwards have sort of um, solidified their status as these consensus top guys were LaMelo Ball. At least there's reports out there now that he might be falling. I don't think you and I are surprised by that. We were part of the media interviews with him during the draft combine, and suffice to say, uh, they were not as impressive as some of these other prospects. So you could see why that might be hurting him. Um, he just doesn't strike me as a good interviewer, whether or not that's fair or not. He's just not good at really doing these interview things. Um, but uh, if he's falling, then that could switch things up a little bit at the top of the draft. But I just, I still don't anticipate it really shaking things up that much. And so with Minnesota here at number one, I think that they would open this thing up to trades. Um, the, the scuttle over the last few weeks was maybe Charlotte would want to move up to number one. I just don't really – I don't know how realistic that's going to be unless the Hornets are just desperately in love with James Wiseman. There's going to be other guys there. They can always get Onyeka Kungu at number three. They could probably get LaMelo Ball there at number three if they want to kind of get this franchise point guard. There's going to be enough guys with star potential there where I think Minnesota ends up just keeping this pick and going with Anthony Edwards with the top pick in the draft. Oh, so you're getting, you're getting right into it. Okay. Uh, you think they're going to keep it simple and just keep Edwards? I think that they would like to move back and maybe that's an option further down where I don't know if Atlanta ends up in position to take an OB top in or something at number six, maybe they can work something out later. But I just think when they're actually on the clock for number one, I just don't know how motivated teams are going to be to move up uh, uh, for a Wiseman or an Edwards or LaMelo ball or something like that. I, I, there's, there's just not that much separation between those guys and some of these other guys that, I think Minnesota is going to end up just taking taking the best player available, and that's Edwards. Yeah, and I feel kind of I would feel a little bit bad for Edwards. It's just funny to say like I feel bad for this guy going number one, but uh, I just don't think that's an awesome situation for him. Um, I think he needs to be in an environment where he's encouraged to play defense. I think he needs to be in an environment where he has uh, guys who aren't so ball dominant around him. Um, I think he needs to be like a, a good motion system. He could help them, though. I think he would be a really good influence almost on guys like D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, who D'Angelo Russell, you and I covered him long enough. We know that he's definitely competitive, but he's not competitive in that outwardly showy way. Um, you know, he's, he's very chill. Carl Anthony Towns, very much the same kind of guy. Anthony Edwards is just like this uber competitor guy. And I think he would he's not going to be like Jimmy Butler, for example, but he has a little bit of that, that edge to him. I think that would be welcome just from a locker room fit. But you're right. I, I, as far as like, I mean, if you're Anthony Edwards, there's no doubt. If you're anybody at the top of this draft, you'd rather get drafted Golden State than Minnesota. But um, I do think Minnesota ends up going in that direction. Look, I think the only way that Char that they move this pick, Charlotte does make sense uh, as far as if you if you give Minnesota number three and a 2021 first round pick so that they can replace the one that they sent to Golden State, that would make sense. But again, I just think the Hornets will be happy enough just saying, let's keep our 2021 pick. That's supposed to be a good draft. And there's going to be somebody we like at number three. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, I and I've been saying this forever, and I still believe it. If if Edwards is available at number two, I do think the Warriors pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. I know they just saw him recently, um, and everything that I heard out of Warriors camp was that they were very impressed that physically, he lives up to the hype. And I think they look at Edwards as like a a ball of clay. Um, he's still he just turned nineteen years old. He was he played his entire freshman season at eighteen. Um, he actually started focusing on the game relatively late. He grew up a football player and he, um, you know, was not surrounded by a ton of talent in college or high school. And so I think they look at him as a guy who still has a lot to learn, but he has such a great base to work with physically that the, the floor is pretty high for him. I think I feel confident saying that Edwards is going to be a, at least a quality NBA starter for a long time. And I think he has the potential to be a perennial all-star. Um, I mean, and he doesn't lack for confidence. And I actually like that from these top guys. Um, you know, he went out and said that he wants to be Dwayne Wade and that he thinks he can be better than Dwayne Wade, uh, which <laughs> I think most people look at Dwayne Wade as the absolute pot, like ceiling that Anthony Edwards could reach, um, which Dwayne Wade's had an you know, incredible career. For yeah, look, he's not going to be better than Dwayne He's not going to be better than Dwayne Wade, but if he could be 60% of Dwayne Wade, that's a home run. With the, yeah, the I mean, the thing I like uh-huh. about it is that he had – just physically he has shades of Dwayne Wade. I think it's easy to draw that comparison just because he played for the same college coach as Dwayne Wade. And I know they're, they're friendly through that connection. But, yeah, he's I, – I don't see him being Dwayne Wade. But I see him being more of an Andrew Wiggins. And I know people are super down on Andrew Wiggins, but uh, Andrew Wiggins is still a very good NBA player. And I think he's like a borderline all-star caliber guy. That's not a bad career if he ends up being Andrew Wiggins. I, I like the Donovan Mitchell comparison. Uh, he's just got this crazy first step in this leaping ability and stuff that if he could just put it together, uh, I think he could have a very similar um, kind of start to his career as Donovan Mitchell. And, and look, he does the one thing that nobody else in this draft does. And that, that's create his own shot. He has an ability to create his own shot that is unrivaled by anybody else in this draft. Yeah. And that alone, we have seen over and over and over again, how important that is uh, as a skill from your top guys and how dramatically that can increase a player's ceiling. So I'm with you. If he's there at number two, like if I'm the Warriors, I'm rooting for Charlotte to move up to number one and take James Wiseman. Cause that means yeah. that they're at number two. I think that would be a slam dunk pick for them. But unfortunately in this draft, uh, in this mock draft, that didn't happen. So the Warriors are going to have to go in another direction. Yeah. So I, 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 to double down on what you're saying, if, if Edwards is available number two, I think it's a no brainer for the Warriors. Yeah. Obviously, there's things that there's flaws, there's things he needs to work on. But I think going into Golden State would be the perfect situation to learn behind someone like Draymond Green, who's going to push him and, and Steph and Clay. Um, I have, I have no doubt that, that he would end up filling a role right away and then have a chance to be a a go-to guy in a few years. So if he's not there, it's much more up for debate. Um, You know, the Warriors obviously have been open to potentially trading back, but everything I've heard, and I think you have too, is that it would have to be a very, very compelling offer. I'm still not convinced that they're going to get that offer. So for the sake of this mock draft, let's say they keep the number two pick. Um, Wait, wait, wait there though. We've heard the James Wiseman hype. You and I have heard the same thing. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to people in the organization. They like Wiseman, but I, I don't know that they're completely sold on Wiseman. And it does strike me as a little bit of smoke, maybe, a little positioning, a little uh, gamesmanship here. 
Look, I'm not going to I'm not going to ignore the reporting I've had for months, which is that I don't see them uh, drafting Wiseman. I still don't feel they're they're going to draft Wiseman. I'm not going to just do this about face just because he had one decent workout. Um, the The Warriors were impressed by that workout, but the people I talked to said that he he physically is very gifted, which is something they already knew. But they're still they still have tons of questions about him, and I don't I don't think that they're going to pull the trigger at number two on a big man in the modern NBA who's going to be making $10 million a year for them potentially um, who they don't aren't confident can create his own offense, who they aren't confident uh, is, is has a high basketball IQ or has a great motor. I mean, those are major questions. Um, I think he's going to end up being like a better version of JaVale McGee. Um, and that's not someone you want to be taking at number two. Um, I, I know there's been a lot of hype around him, especially recently. And I think it partly because of that workout, um, he, and credit to him, he did get completely jacked in the off season, but, uh, I still just don't see that happening. Um, and if, look, if I have dirt on my face, come, come draft day, you guys can all laugh at me and, and joke about it, but well, no, I still like, don't look, see that happening. You're, you're talking, you're not making stuff up and I'm not making stuff up. And that's, I think you and I kind of, um, get attacked on this a little bit from Twitter and stuff. This isn't our opinion. This is just what we're hearing from people who work for the Warriors. And look, I've heard the same stuff that you've heard. We've talked about it enough on your podcast, on my podcast. We've written, we've both written about it. I will say that the people that I've talked to about after they saw the in-person workout, it did, it did uh, up his stock a little bit in their minds. But I still do believe that. Um, their split um, as far as what they want to do with Wiseman. I think he's very much in the mix at number two, but I don't think that he's by any stretch the lead candidate at number two. Yeah. I, I would, I would agree with that. Look, are they considering him? Yes, they are uh, as yeah. they should um, just from a talent level, they should definitely consider him, but um, there's yeah, people look. talking like it's a lock that he's going to go number two. I don't, I don't agree with that. So, and that's kind of the smoke that's been building up here too. So if, if the Hornets are scared that the Warriors are going to go ahead and take Wiseman, I, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Warriors can move back. Like everybody keeps talking about these trade back scenarios, go back to number 10 and grab Kelly Oubre, all this kind of like crazy stuff. What if all they did was move back one spot with the Hornets, that they got yeah. the Hornets to, that they were going to take Wiseman and the Hornets felt like they had to move up with them. And maybe all you get is a future first round pick in 2021 or 2022. Maybe you're able to nab like a Miles Bridges or something like that from Charlotte. Um, would you be open to that if you were picking for the Warriors? I would for sure. Especially since you know that they would be trading up to get Wiseman and you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily sold on Wiseman. Um, so you're effectively going to be able to draft the same guy you were going to draft anyway and also get an asset for sure. Let's do that. I love that. Yeah. Um, uh, just for fun, actually, let's uh, let's say they do that. Let's say the Warriors, let's say the Warriors do that trade. Um, I liked the Miles Bridges idea. They they get Miles Bridges uh, in that trade. Exception on, and Miles Bridges makes like six million. Yeah, but, and uh, Miles Bridges, I think, is a guy who hasn't been able to realize his potential um, because he hasn't been in uh, very stable environments. Um, and I, I and think he could be I, helpful. And the guy who beat Eric Paschal out for the uh, Rising Stars MVP award. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
yeah so let's about. let's which which i which by the way pascal got robbed on that one um but but yeah no i think he could be a helpful player uh like an eighth ninth guy potentially we'll have more of my conversation with wes goldberg right after the break Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So obviously Charlotte is now, which is going to be your pick, but I guess we've decided Charlotte's going to be uh, taking James Wiseman. Um, and I know I've said this many times on the pod, but I still, the, I've talked to a couple people recently within the organization about Denny, who they yeah. have now seen multiple times in recent weeks. They would just saw him again the other day um, and they love him. Um, they are, in, I think, borderline infatuated uh, with him. Um, they just love his potential, but they also think he has a pretty high floor. Um, they just love his skill level. Um, now he still has, he's 19 years old. He has a lot to work on. He is not Luka Doncic by any stretch of the imagination. That is not the Warriors expectation for him. I think they see him much more as like a Danilo Garnari type. Um, I think that he has that type of, uh, ceiling and potential, which I think, you know, Danilo is a great player. And I think he, I think he's a perfect fit for the, what the Warriors are trying to do, and what the Warriors, one of their big offseason needs is a secondary ball handler, and I think Denny could come in from day one and be that. Um, so, and I, he's the only guy I know of that they have seen twice within the past week, week and a half. Um, that that means something to me. So I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Denny at number two for the, or Denny, Denny at number three because the Warriors have traded down. And it sounds like uh, I saw a report yesterday that Denny is making it well known that he wants to go to the Warriors uh, of any team in the in, in the top of the yeah. lottery, uh, which makes sense. I mean, I think it, it'd be a win-win for both of them. Yeah, I mean, join the club, Denny. Every every one of these guys <laughs> is want to play for the Warriors. But uh, look, I've been hearing the same stuff that you've been hearing. The Warriors have been looking at Denny since February, right? I mean, they they right before the pandemic really hit. Bob Myers and, and um, some of these other top executives went overseas to go look at Denny. Um, this is a guy that they've been looking at. Ooh, for very- they also went the previous year too. Right. They've been oh. like, this is a guy that's been on their radar. And so um, look, I, I, I'm hearing the same stuff. I think they really like Denny, this trade, this type, this trade we just did positions themselves to basically say, look, we got this, we got this great player in miles bridges to move back. So Warriors fans don't be upset that we didn't get Wiseman. So from a PR standpoint, you play it off there. Not that that necessarily matters, but it might, you get the guy who you really want and Denny at via. And then in, in sort of one move, you've addressed the wing position pretty fully where you've got Andrew Wiggins, you've got Eric Paschal, you've got Draymond Green, you've got Clay Thompson coming back. And now to that group, you've added uh, Denny at via and, and Miles Bridges, like you've added size and athleticism and upside to this position, all the things that you've been looking for. You mentioned the Danilo Gallinari uh, comparison. That's an okay one to me. I know it's been made um, from people in the league and who kind of analyze the draft. I really like the Joe Ingles um, comparison. That's one I've made on my podcast months ago. Um, and it, it, 
And, and look, people are like, ah, Joe Ingles, that's not a great player. That's a really good player. At, good player. Like, the Warriors would love to have Joe Ingles. The, the Warriors love Joe Ingles. I've talked to a lot of people who would love to get Joe Ingles. He always for kills the Warriors, too. Um, but this is a guy who plays a point-forward type of position. I think you could see Denny come in and kind of reprise the Andre Iguodala role and just say – and provide that ball handling off the bench. He's a versatile defender. He's so strong. He gets to the rim. He draws fouls. He does all the things that they would like. If you were going to replace Andre Iguodala, the guy you would do it with would be Joe Ingles. And if you can get a Joe Ingles type in Denny Advia with more upside than Joe Ingles, then that's a that's a home run. I think he could be anywhere between – you know, Joe Ingles and Paul George. I really think that's where his upside is. And and that's a good player to get, I think. Yeah, I think I think he's a guy who um if I if I if I had to if I had to guess right now, I could see him being an all star at least like once or twice in his career. Um and it would be a situation where if he was on a team like the Warriors, he'd be like the third or fourth all star on like a a championship caliber team. Um and uh you know that's that's a pretty good career to have. I I I and I also think the Warriors really like who he is as a person. They love his story. They love his his uh, his mix of confidence, but also modesty. He's not he doesn't have an ego. Um, he takes direction well, and he's he's been in a situation where he's 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 been on pro for three years, and so he's going to come in more mature and more ready than your average nineteen year old because he's already seen the he's already been to the rodeo i mean the euro league is in some ways more intense than the nba at least in the regular season they take their game their regular season games very seriously um so i think he's uh he's 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 very mature for his age um so moving on so number four chicago um this is when things really are like up in there at this point um so you still have you still have Lamella Ball available. Um, <laughs> the question here would be, you know, how high are the Bulls really on Kobe White? Um, do I mean Kobe White had a decent year last year? Um, you know, definitely showed some promise, but I'm not I'm not sure if he showed enough for you to be convinced that he's your guy. I mean, he only shot 39% from the field, um, made a lot of mistakes. Yes, he's a rookie point guard. Yes, he's young, but. Um, I'm not sold on him. I'm not sure the Bulls are. I think that you pull the trigger on Lamelo here and then figure out something with Kobe. Maybe you can play them together a little bit. Um, maybe maybe you you can trade Kobe for for an asset. Um, but I personally would rather have Lamelo Ball than Kobe. And, and the Bulls are very much in rebuild mode, so I think you just need to stack assets. Um, so I, I say they take Lamelo at four. I think that's actually a pretty easy pick. Uh, Kobe White also projects as a great off-ball shooter. Like you mentioned, he only shot 39. He's going to get better, you would think. And so if that's the case, you could play off the ball. You could play Lamelo on the ball. Multiple ball handlers. No reason for Chicago right now to draft for need. Just draft who you think the best player available is. And all the reports are that they're high on, on this draft's point guards, and Lamelo Ball would probably be at the top of their list. So that puts me at number five with Cleveland. Um, her, I've been, you know, reports recently that they're really high on Obi Toppin. Yeah. Uh, but Isaac Okoro has also been on their board um, for quite a while. And so I, I'm going to make it easy here. The Cavaliers really need defense. They really need size. They need somebody to play small forward for them. Isaac Okoro is a really easy plug and play fit there. 
Um, I think they'd like his upside and what he brings to the table. You, you figure you're getting enough offense from guys like Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. Just go ahead and get the lockdown defender and draft a Coro if you're Cleveland at number five. Yeah, but they're, they're super high on Kevin Porter Jr. And they do play, play the same position. But um, I can understand yeah. the reasoning behind a Isaac Okoro pick. Also, I'll be honest, man, I don't really trust that front office. So I'm not <laughs> sure they're going to make the, the smartest move. Um, which is part of why I think they might take Obi. I don't think Obi would be the best pick there for them, um, especially when you have Kevin Love. Maybe maybe Kevin Love's days are numbered at this point. But um, yeah, I, I so you're you're saying Okuro at number five to the Cavs. Um, yeah, popping stuff is a little bit more recent, where the Okoro stuff's been there for a long time, and I think that that's what they're 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 just going to go ahead and grab the guy that they've liked all along. Right. Okay. Um, so next up you have Atlanta. Um, there's, there's a lot of things Atlanta could do here um, with this pick. The Atlanta to me is a really interesting situation because they actually have a lot of talent, uh, a lot of young talent um, for just for whatever reason, it has not been meshing. Um, and they, they only had 20 wins last season. Um, so they, they need to, they need to figure a few things out. I think they could use another solid wing defender. Um, I think they could use um, someone who doesn't have a huge learning curve, someone who's pretty much ready-made uh, and can come in and be helpful from day one. Um, so for them, I'm actually going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with Devin Vassell, uh, who I know you and I have talked a lot about. I think he's a guy who can come in and be one of their go-to guys defensively from day one, but also – help space the floor and, you know, compliment Kevin Herter and, and Trey Young. He can also play multiple positions and give them some versatility. Um, and when they have so much kind of in flux with that, with that roster, I think it's, it's nice having someone who can pl- plug multiple holes. So I'm going to go with Vassal out of Florida state at number six to Atlanta. Um, so that leaves Tyrese Halliburton on the board for Detroit at number seven which I think would be an easy enough pick to make. Um, the one thing about the Pistons is that they're led by Troy Weaver now, who comes from Oklahoma City, and they have a reputation in Oklahoma City for drafting young, really big wings who can't really shoot. And Tyrese Halliburton's a little bit older. He can shoot and doesn't, ha- and doesn't project to have the upside. So I'm going to, as, as the Pistons, I'm going to call you as the Celtics sitting there at number 14. And I'm going to see if you're interested in moving up um, from 14 to 7. And keep in mind, Boston has the 14th pick, the 26th pick, and the 30th pick in this first round. Right. Um, because Anyaka Okungu is on the board, and I think he'd be a great fit for Boston. Right. Um, all right, I'll pull the trigger on that. As the GM of the Boston Celtics, I'll pull the trigger on that, especially since they have multiple first-round picks. Mm-hmm. All right, so then is that who you end up taking then? Is Akongo? Yeah, I'll take Onyeka at seven for Boston, and Detroit's now down at 14. Yep. I think Onyeka fits what they're trying to do. I think they need another skilled big man too. Doesn't need the ball. They saw what Bam Adebayo did to them in the Eastern Conference Finals. They want to find an answer to that, and Onyeka Kongu is the best possible guy that they could probably get in the draft or in free agency. Right. Okay, so now that puts you back on the clock again. Well, no, that's I think. Well, I guess I guess it would put me back on the clock because I'm doing the even numbers. So, yeah. number 
Number eight, New York. Um, we've talked a lot about New York because I think that they're in love with a couple guys that they, they would need to trade up for, especially LaMelo Ball. Um, but let's say they end up staying at number eight. Um, he's not LaMelo Ball in terms of just the excitement factor, but I actually think that Tyrese Halliburton is a better player, at least right now. Um, I think that he could come in from day one and be their starting point guard um, and also play other positions for them when they need him to. Um, Mm -hmm. So I actually think that if they kind of fell into taking Tyrese Halliburton, they should feel very good about that. Um, And maybe it'd almost be a good thing for them if they can't pull off a a trade to move up and take Lamelo. because I personally think Tyrese Halliburton would be better. And also they need, they need guys who kind of can kind of be the spokesman for the franchise and guys who can, you know, do all the post-game pressers and, and represent the franchise in a respectable way. I'm not sure LaMelo is that guy, but Halliburton definitely could be, even in a market as demanding as New York. So uh, I'm going to say New York takes Halliburton at eight, and I personally think that would be a great pick for them. Yeah, and you can project it pretty easily, him playing next to R.J. Barrett. Both of those guys can handle the ball as ones, but they could also both play off the ball. Halliburton, because he's able to space the floor, um, R.J. Barrett because of his ability to cut to the basket and finish through contact uh, and, and play in space. I think that would be a home run for them. I wonder if they would be more likely to take Killian Hayes there at number eight because of Hayes' reported upside. Yeah. But I'm with you. I love Halliburton's upside. I think he's the best point guard in this draft. I have him in my personal top five. Um, and so um, I think that's a home run for the Knicks uh, if they end up taking Halliburton at eight, which puts me on the clock uh, with Washington at number nine. They're in a really interesting situation because Killian Hayes is there on the board. You don't really know what John Wall is going to look like coming back. You don't really know how many more days Bradley Beal has in Washington, D.C. But you also have a need um, at power forward, at center possibly. Uh, I I think, you know, all the reports are that they're interested in maybe drafting a big man. But with a Kung Wu out and uh, or off the board, Wiseman obviously off the board, the only real big is Obi Toppin. But I think that that's a good fit for them. They, they can use scoring from different areas. Uh, you have Toppin. If they bring back Davis Bertans, you can have both of those guys space the floor from your forward positions, um, and, and you can really open things up. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and make the easy pick here for Washington and take Obi Toppin. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, and, like, Obi Toppin's a guy who I, I feel very confident is going to be a, a very good player in this league. Um, I'd be interesting to see how he plays alongside Rui. Um, but I, I, I think that's a, a really solid value pick at nine, taking Toppin. Yep. Um, so 10, Phoenix. Um, Phoenix is, you know, really making some nice progress. Um, they made they made waves in the bubble um, in the play-in round. Um, they did they, – they went – they went undefeated, right? They, they really, uh, it seems like they're starting to kind of find their, their identity and rhythm under Monty Williams, who I think is a great coach. Um, so to me, they need to just kind of bolster a few, few aspects of their roster. Um, you know, one thing about them is that, uh, they've been in search of a true point guard, a true starting caliber point guard for a long time now. And rookie Rubio has been, you know, adequate uh maybe even better than adequate has been has been pretty good for them as, as they're starting point guard uh but he is in his 30s now i think he's 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 kind of hitting the back end of this prime and i think if you 
bring someone in to learn from him from a little bit and then and then you know hopefully after a year or two can kind of take over the reins that would be a pretty ideal situation for a young point guard so um i am gonna go with killian hayes here um i like that fit i think he's a a really good passer who is pretty crafty offensively and i think um has shown enough potential to to not hurt you defensively um so uh i'm gonna go with killian hayes at number 10 to phoenix that's a steal for them. I mean, they get a guy with that kind of upside at number 10. If it doesn't work out, it's not the worst-case scenario. Like you said, Phoenix has a lot of young guys that they can build on, build with, and, they're, and they are. Um, and you've got Rubio there for another year. You can let Killian Hayes come in easily, kind of be your scorer off the bench. Um, doesn't need to handle the ball all the time and run an offense like he would with, like, the Knicks, for example, where I think Halliburton, just being the adult that he is, is a little bit more um, – ready for to, to run an NBA offense and Killian Hayes might need a little bit more time. So home run pick for Phoenix. And I think a really good fit for Killian Hayes too, because it could get, you know, there, there's some places where if I'm Killian Hayes, I don't want to go. Phoenix would be a nice spot for him. Um, so that puts me on the board with San Antonio at number 11. This is a great spot for the Spurs. One of the guys I love in this draft, Connor, Patrick Williams out of Florida yeah, State. I like him His too. upside is ridiculous. He's one of the youngest players in this draft. Uh, his, instincts on defense are second to none in this draft um and he he flashes ability to to uh get into passing lanes and create steals and he's also a really good rim protector i think he's just your next le- like kind of a next generation forward in this draft and when you look at but he just needs you know you need to round out the the finer parts of his game he needs to continue to develop as a shooter he needs to con- uh, continue to develop develop a game off the dribble and you look at a team like San Antonio, which has routinely done that with guys and, and everybody's going to make the Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, comparison, but even a guy like Jonathan Simmons, like guys, like they've just routinely gone out and found wings, Keldon Johnson this last year who needed a little bit more, um, you know, polishing. And they've done that within a matter of a year uh, over and over again. I think it'd be a perfect fit for them and they go ahead and get their forward of the future with Patrick Williams. Yeah. I love that. He also just seems very much like a, like a San Antonio guy. Yeah. Um, he makes a lot of sense. A guy, a guy I think also makes sense for them is Sadiq Bay. Um, but that, that number 11 spot probably makes a little bit more sense just in terms of the range for, for someone like Patrick Williams, uh, who has probably considerably more upside than Sadiq Bay. Um, so next up is Sacramento. Um, Sacramento, it's always hard to predict what Sacramento is going to do uh, because they just they always find a way of surprising us. Uh, this is the the franchise that took Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic and Trey Young, so um, it's, uh, it's it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I actually I like the pieces they're putting together. Um, I think I I think they have some really nice building blocks. De'Aaron Fox, uh, I really like Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, you know, Harrison Barnes as an older guy has, has been a good bet for them. Um, so um, I think, but I do think that this is a team that uh, could use more shooting. And one guy I really like a lot, and I think you like him too, is Aaron Nesmith out of uh, Vanderbilt. Um, he He didn't play a ton of games last year because he got injured, but in, in the games he played, he was as good of a shooter as anyone in college basketball and I think that's going to translate and I think they could use that that extra floor spacing to help free up guys like 
uh, you know, help free up guys like De'Aaron and the Rashawn Holmes of the world. Um, so I'm going to say they take Aaron Nesmith out of Vanderbilt with the 12th pick. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great pick, especially if you're projecting that the that they'll lose Buddy Heald if they do indeed trade him. You know, you kind of replace that skill set with somebody with a higher upside defensively. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. That's kind of what I've been mocking in my my personal mock drafts as well, um, which puts me on the board with New Orleans at number thirteen. Uh, I think when you're when you're building around um, Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, which seem that that's going to be their core trio going forward. You want more shooting around them and, and versatile defense. But there's reports recently that they might be shopping Drew Holiday. So if that's the case, they may need to replace him. You've got, you know, J.J. Redick there, but you might want to continue bringing him off the bench if you're Stan Van Gundy. But we also know Van Gundy really values stretch fours and stuff like that. Sadiq Bey is on the board. You look at a guy like Jalen Smith from Maryland, who's also on the board. Um I think either one of those guys would make a ton of sense for New Orleans. If they want to try to replace um, Drew Holiday, they could go with like a Kira Lewis out of Alabama or Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky would make a lot of sense for them too. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and slot in probably Sadiq Bey here for them at number 13, just a guy who can stand in the corner, shoot shots, kind of play that Hito Turkoglu role that we know Stan Van Gundy likes um, and, and just get a guy who can play right away for them at number 13. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I like that. Um, so I'm doing four, 14 now and we did the trade uh, with Boston. No, and- me number 14. What? I think that makes me number 14 since I'm Detroit. Right. So you're, so who, who do you think Detroit is taking at 14? Well, I'm going to call the Spurs now with this number 14 pick and offer the Spurs number 14 and some salary filler for DeMar DeRozan. Do they take it? No. I don't think so. I think Reunite, be better. Reunite Casey and DeMar DeRozan? I don't think that's going to happen. All right. Fair enough. Then I go ahead and take RJ Hampton um, for Detroit. They need a ball handler. They passed up on guys like Killian Hayes and Tyrese Halliburton so that they can move down and get more picks. Um, but I think Hampton, not necessarily – my cup of tea, but I, he does seem like a Troy Weaver type guy. Again, just crazy size, ball handling ability, shaky jump shot, but projects as a versatile defender. Um, just a whole lot of upside. And that so that's a boomer bust pick for sure. Um, and that, he, he, the Thunder he, he, and what he's a true project. I think he's at least two years away from being able to help an NBA team. Um, but he's so freakish athletically um and look Detroit is a team just looking at this roster they're a team that really needs something to get fans excited I mean Blake Griffin you know has had a good NBA career but he's not necessarily the guy you want leading an NBA franchise and then beyond beyond him you have an aging Derrick Rose and then a bunch of kind of no names and so I think that they just need someone that's going to get fans in the seats. That's going to get people excited. Um, and I think RJ Hampton has the potential to be that. Uh, I think another guy that they should look at is Cole Anthony, um, a guy who can come in from day one and just fill it up. Um, so I, they, I just, I'm so underwhelmed by their roster. They just need something to get you interested in them because they've become irrelevant. 
<laughs> national. Yeah. yeah, and they don't play a fun style. I mean, Blake Griffin started shooting threes. That was kind of interesting. Christian Wood has been a nice development for them. Um, I think you're banking on that front court, kind of just locking things down, and then R.J. Hampton sort of developing into that guy. Yeah. Um, so I think I think we're done, Wes. I think we just uh, you know there's no need for for fans to tune into the draft November 18th because we basically just outlined. <laughs> it. Um, but no, I think I think we did a good job of of kind of putting things in context of where we're at two weeks from the draft. I think hopefully the listener, your takeaway from this is that things are going to be very fluid. There's going to be at least a couple trades uh, and there's going to be, there's going to be movement. I mean, guys that you're, you might be assuming are going to be going early in the draft might fall. I wouldn't be surprised if a Wiseman or a ball or a ball fell a little bit. Um, And then you're going to have some guys that you never thought would be going top five, top 10, you know, merging in that range. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. And honestly, it's really going to be fascinating to watch what the Warriors do at number two. I mean, you and I have a decent idea of what their thought process is, but, you know, anything could happen still. So it's going to be really interesting. Yeah, I think the – and look, one thing to keep in mind too with these trades and if the Warriors do end up making a trade, those things tend to sort of materialize right as the draft is happening. It's just like the NBA trade deadline. You're not going to get people's best offers until, you know, you have to, right? Until they have to make their best offers known. Um, And so I think you're going to see that with the Warriors and maybe some other teams here in the lottery. Wes, thank you so much for joining me. And you know what? This is – I think this might be our last pod together before the draft uh, because I've been leaning on you so heavily the past few weeks. I really appreciate it all the way from Florida, all the way from, uh, you know, one of the – one of the more interesting states in this election. Um, Thank you so much. Of course. Our thanks to Wes Goldberg for joining me on the podcast. That was a lot of fun doing a mock draft with him. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 